0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, howdy there, Internet people. It's Bo again. So tonight we're going to talk about contingency plans. Seems like everybody's got one right now, especially in the Senate. Rand Paul has one, Schumer has one, Graham has one, even those outside. Pelosi certainly has one. Lev Parnas definitely had one. Everybody has a contingency plan. And that's why nobody can tell you what's going on, because there's a battle for power. A whole bunch of if this, then that type of things. And there's so many, it's impossible to guess. But while we can't really forecast those proceedings, we can use that to learn about something else. See, (laughs) look from the outside looking in, I would imagine that contingency plans, as far as the United States is concerned, that's our bread and butter. That's what we do. You know, that, that's, that's how we deal with everything. We have a plan for everything. The Department of Defense may not appear to be successful if you look at specific engagements. But overall, what's the goal? Advance national interests. They're really good at that because they have a plan for everything. And they've been doing this ever since we became a world power. When did we become a world power? At the end of World War One. That's when we really came into our own. That position was cemented during World War II. At that point, we were one of the the tough kids on the block. What did we do in between those two wars? Developed contingency plans. (laughs) We planned to go to war with everybody. And I mean everybody. For those sitting in the UK, our plan to go to war with you was called War Plan Red. No joke. See, at the end of World War I, the United States found itself in a new position. We had a fleet. A real one, for a change. (laughs) Which meant that we may run afoul of the British. Because the United Kingdom has a long history of using its fleet to advance its national interests. So eventually those two paths may cross. So we couldn't really deal with it directly because of distance. So our plan was pretty simple. We are going to go after them indirectly. We were just going to invade Canada. I'm not joking right now. <laughs> we had a plan to invade Canada. The thought behind it was that was how the United Kingdom would respond. They would move troops there and then south. So we were just going to take it over um, with specific attention paid to Halifax, because that's the port that was imagined they would use to bring in troops. So it became really important to deal with Halifax. So important that we came up with a, a really crazy plan to deal with that. Uh, gas. Yeah. And this, to be clear, wasn't just like some guys in a room with some maps, some one-off hypothetical. No. We went ahead and started building airfields, pretending they were civilian airports, in case we ever had to do this. People in the UK right now, they're like, oh, really? Yeah, really. Yeah, but don't, you know, get too uh, too shocked. Y'all have one too. Y'all, and by the way, y'all were just going to write off Canada. Unless it could hold its own for like six months or something, y'all were just going to leave it to the United States, let it become part of the U.S., You didn't figure you'd be able to muster enough troops fast enough to even worry about it. So it just became a loss. You're going to ride it off. Leave them twisted in the wind. Which makes that Halifax thing a whole lot worse because it would have been completely unnecessary. The UK's war plan for dealing with the United States was to go after our far-flung possessions like the Philippines. Places like that. They're just going to kind of vacate this hemisphere over here. They're just going to get out. Um... And right now, poor Canadians. (laughs) The U.S., gas, the Brits were just going to leave us. I mean, what? Don't act all innocent. Y'all had one too. Yeah, I think it was called Defense Scheme 1 or something like that because it was pretty high priority. Um, Bunch of light, fast-moving, flying columns, if you will. We're going to drive south into the United States, go as deep as they could, destroying infrastructure along the way. And then retreat back to the uh, back to Canada, unless, in some situations like Seattle, they thought maybe they could hold it. But for the most part, it was just to destroy as much as possible. And there was no plan to defend Halifax, which again made that whole thing just that much creepier. Um, What's the point of all of this? These were allies allies. And we had plans to do this. They had plans to do it to us. Because defense needs consistency. It needs plans for everything. We need to be aware. We need to know what's going on. How do you think that meshes with Trump's habit of ruling by tweet Signing off Strategic partners that we've had forever, just writing them off, getting rid of them. How many contingency plans do you think involved them? Probably a lot that now we can't count. We can't use those. We've got to come up with new ones. Or deciding that we weren't going to vacate when asked. Now we have to plan to do that in every country because now it's a possibility. Developing local partners becomes incredibly hard. Because we never know what Twitter is going to say. It becomes more and more difficult. When you understand that, you'll understand how much the President of the United States has undermined U.S. readiness. His landmine diplomacy affects other things. It affects the defense structure as well. Because that's what defense is. War is a continuation of politics by other means. When diplomacy fails... You end up in war. It's what it is. War is a failure of diplomacy. And when the diplomatic efforts are concentrated on besting your domestic rivals instead of advancing U.S. national interests, well, it creates a problem. This little thing in Ukraine on its face it may not seem like a big deal. It may just seem like run-of-the-mill corruption. But the reality is it literally undermined U.S. national security. And Trump's <clears throat> less-than-predictable nature has severely damaged U.S. readiness because our allies don't know what to expect. So they have to develop contingency plans too. And they can't count on us because They don't know what we're going to do. I would not want to be the next president of the United States. I wouldn't want to clean up after this guy. We need to enter that into our national memory. When all of these tough situations occur, it's not the fault of the next person. It's Trump's fault. He's the one that did this. He's the one that undermined U.S. readiness. Anyway, it's just a thought. Y'all have a good night.